Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. 
Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Hey guys, we got a great show for you today. Uh, Sarah Ellison, who you all know, is going to break down a study that she just completed. You can read all about it over on filmstudybaltimore.com. Also want to let you know and give a little heads up that this is also a video episode over on filmstudybaltimore.com where she goes through the exact same audio but has some graphs that go along with it. So if you hear us reference graphs during this or the fact that I even refer to this as a video episode, it is because of that. But don't worry, plenty of great content for audio only. So you can take it in either way. I definitely recommend go checking out the video. Even if you listen to this as audio first, at least go on over, check out the article and look at some of these graphs. But the video is up over on filmstudybaltimore.com as well. Also, do us a favor and check out Manscaped. Use the code BIRDLAND and save 20% off. You guys know what Manscaped does. Uh, come on, we've all been lazy during the quarantine, haven't been taking care of ourselves. Get ready for summer. Get ready to get back out to the beach and around people with Manscaped.com. Use the code BIRDLAND and you get 20% off and free shipping. Check it out. We like the product and we want you to support them because supporting them supports film study. Check it out, let's get on with the show. All right, it's another film study video. We don't have a better name for it besides film study video, but Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I am all good. We had a new thing over at filmstudybaltimore.com last week where someone other than you wrote an article. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. We had uh, Sarah Ellison as a guest author here, which we really appreciate. And she did a great study on QB run frequency and correlating that to injuries and effectiveness. Sarah's with us tonight. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm all right. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is going to be fun to talk about. All right. Well, you know, we had some big news today with Patrick Mahomes getting signed to a half billion dollar deal. Might have, <laughs> I don't know, a little bit of impact on on Lamar Jackson down the road. Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest thing that I would say is going to impact him is that Mahomes got that deal after his third year. And um, Lamar Jackson's heading into his third year. And there's been a lot of, you know, talk. Is Lamar going to get his new deal? Um, I mean, quarterbacks, so generally speaking, if you're, you're the rookie contracts, you're eligible to get a new deal after the third year. Uh, oftentimes you'll wait till four or sometimes the, the team will get a fifth year option. So sometimes you can get up to five years, which would have been superb, especially when your quarterback is playing as well as Lamar. Uh, but if Lamar has another season anywhere near like the one he had last season, 
he's going to have some pretty good leverage in saying, I want to get a new deal after that third season. Yeah, I think it probably will end up making sense. And and the fifth-year option at quarterback is not all that's valuable. It's been pointed out to me by Brian McFarland before. It ends up being a 30-plus million dollar number in year five that you have to pay that guy. So the, the clock starts ticking. The franchise tag after that is, is that much more expensive. So the Ravens are probably going to want to get it done either after the third or after the fourth season. And it makes sense given Mahomes, the other great quarterback in the game, is getting his contract after three that Lamar is going to want it after three as well. And then, then the next question is, is uh, do you do a more traditional, what, six-year deal like you saw the Ravens do with Joe Flacco or – you know, this is a 10-year deal with uh, Mahomes. And like you said, half a billion dollars. And that's the biggest contract, not just in football, but in all, all, of, all of sports. Well, you know, that element of risk is something that Ravens fans have debated since the very first day Lamar Jackson was drafted. Whether or not a running quarterback and the offense that he provides could be sustainable. They obviously had questions about whether Lamar would be effective at all. I think we're past a lot of that. Yeah. Now they have questions about is it sustainable? And that's why you're here tonight. So it's a great transition. That, that is a great transition. Let's, <laughs> let's get right to it. And Sarah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you kind of start talking about this and I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna ask some questions mostly for clarification purposes as we go through. Well, this this is perfect because you really do. This is a question that GMs ask themselves. How much do we invest into uh, a player? And again, traditionally a lot of NFL fans would probably say you don't want to invest into a, into a quarterback like Lamar Jackson versus Mahomes because people would say because he runs more, he's going to be, he's more prone to injury. And so you don't want to give, you know, a 10 year deal to somebody like that. And, um, and so that's all fair, fair to talk about. So that, that is kind of the basis of, of how this um, study came about. My husband and I, who are, um, not any different from, from many NFL fans. For years, we have been debating this question. Um, are running quarterbacks more injury prone than traditional pocket passers? And so for years, we'd keep coming back to this debate and it came up again. I can't remember exactly why, but it came up again during the COVID-19 lockdown. And I finally threw up my hands and I said, honey, what is it going to take for me to convince you? So, so I'm on a bias side. What is it going to take for me to convince you that a running quarterback is not more injury prone than a traditional pocket passer? Because all we could do, just like any other NFL uh, observer, you can only debate anecdotally this, this, this question, or at least in the past, because the NFL doesn't keep a database of injuries. You, you have the injury reports, but you don't have it per person for years, for their whole career. You don't have it uh, for positions and all that sort of thing. And so he's like, well, I just need to know how many games are missed due to injury for these quarterbacks and look at that against how much they run. And so being locked in my house, I had the time to try to, to, to look into that. So, so that's what I did. And I do, I do want to point out, um, as I went into this, this, I am not a professional data analyst, right? I've, I worked for the Ravens for 13 years. I know my fair share of football, the Ravens and the NFL, but I'm not a professional data analyst. So I leaned heavily on my husband who knows his way around stats. Um, just a little background on him. He's, he's a heart surgeon. He, he has a PhD. He's done stats on, on trying to figure out how to 
put out trans kidney kidney transplants and and all those types of things. So he's he's pretty well versed. And then also I reached out to you, Ken, because I know I know by trade you're an actuary. You obviously are big into to analytics. So um, while this is my first introduction into this level of statistics, I reached out. I used both of you massively as resources to make sure that my methodology was sound. And then I had my husband who was on the other side, biased on the other side, so we can kind of keep each other in check to make sure that there was no um, biases in, in, in this study. So thank you to you, Ken, very much. You were uh, a, a big part of this. So you obviously know this study uh, probably just as well as I do. Complete pleasure to work with you. I, I just, I, I enjoy the entire process and uh, and uh, hope other people would, would reach out the same way, but just uh, loved every minute. Okay. Great. So as a journalist, I know this is somewhat different with studies. I always like to like put up front the best part of what my article is going to be. It's always in those, you know, first two, two, two or three paragraphs. So I'm just going to say up front the major things that I observed through the study. And then we're going to go through, and I'm not going to go into them deep right now because we'll do that as we talk. But up top, Four major things that I found, and we're going to get into this. We'll talk about methodology, definitions, and all this. But four major observations from this study. NFL quarterbacks that run the most are not injured the most. A run frequency, which we will define, is not a reliable predictor for quarterback injuries. Um, and so, as such, we cannot predict, based on observed data, that a signal caller like Lamar Jackson is more prone to injuries simply because he runs more than other NFL passers. Number three, quarterbacks that run the most are just as effective, if not more effective, than NFL quarterback averages in key statistical categories, and we'll look into those. And then number four, we'll go, we'll go deep into just Jackson after we look at some of these observations. We'll look at it solely um, with Jackson. And his career, as people already know, is off to a historical start by many statistical measurements. So just wanted to put that up front. That's what we will be talking about. Those were four major observations, but there, there are more. Um, so the presentation outline is we're first gonna go through methods and definitions. Then we'll go through the observations um, that, I, that we found with QB injuries. Then we'll look at the observations of how effective each type of quarterback is. Then we'll look at some Lamar Jackson observations, final thoughts, and then um, some thoughts on some future study possibilities. Um, so methods and definitions, just wanna start out with these. Um, the sources used for, like I said, the NFL doesn't have like a database of injuries. So this is what was by far the most time consuming, was trying to pin down uh, how many games each quarterback missed for the entire decade because I didn't want this to be, you know, one or two years. I wanted to get, as, and even, you know, a decade, I would have loved to have kept going, but I felt like a decade was, was pretty sound. And so I went to Pro Football Reference, which keeps um, injury reports for all teams and all players. And I cross-checked that with um, NFL Jesus and then uh, NFL Gamebooks um, when necessary. Then the other stats, the effectiveness stats I got um, from Pro Football Reference and NFL.com. Um, for a quarterback to qualify for this study, uh, he needed to have a minimum of 16 regular season starts during the decade, so from 2010 to 2019. And so if you do the math, um, 
there were 5,120 quarterback starts during last the last decade. This study covers 89.7% of them. So it covers a good a good percentage of them uh, that makes me feel good about the, the, the data that we have. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, that's one of the thing that's, things that really impressed me about it was the completeness of the study. So just to take you through that a little bit in terms of the math, regular season only is considered 256 mm-hmm. games during the regular season, as we all know. Multiply that by 10, then multiply that by two starting quarterbacks per game. You get 5120. And she's got uh, 4,000 – Give the number right off the top of your head here. 4,595 of the starts are covered by the quarterbacks who had 16 plus starts. Right. Right. So, um, so yeah, like you said, it, it made me feel like it was, it was very complete. Um, um, and then like, like we said, all the stats and the games missed, this is regular season only. Um, and then just a note, um, if, Injuries occurred, I, I wanted to be sure if their injuries occurred for non-football reasons. And a good example of that was Ben Roethlisberger and his motorcycle accident in 2016. I intended to throw them out. I didn't want that to skew the data. But in with my requirements of 16 regular starts and during the decade, there were no such occurrences that, that, occur, that happened. Um, so there were off-season injuries, but no NFI. So Peyton Manning missed the whole season for his neck. Presumably that was a football-related thing, although I don't actually remember. Uh, and, and his season was excluded, and 16 games were, were in the missed column then. Correct. Correct. So, yeah, if, 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 they, if the injury happened for football reasons, um, it could have occurred during many camps, OTAs, training camp, preseason, or practice during the, the season. If it was a football injury, I threw him out. This is a different position, but, like, when uh, Terrell Suggs, ripped his Achilles mm-hmm. I would have thrown him out had he been a quarterback um right. but but those instances um did not occur during this time period all right okay a very important definition just so that we're making this clear because all of my graphs everything comes down to um this term run frequency so I want to make clear that we all understand what one run frequency is for all of these quarterbacks Okay, so for the purposes of this study, run frequency was defined as the number of QB runs divided by the number of runs plus passing attempts plus sacks. Because sacks, they were intended to throw, but they didn't didn't get the ball off. So so that's how we come up with the run frequency. It's it's that percentage of runs, um, the number of runs divided by QB runs, passing attempts, and sacks. Um, do you want to add anything to that, Ken? Well, I think I just want to look at it another way because we're going to see these percentages for runs and you got some quarterbacks at five, and then you got Lamar Jackson on the other extreme end. The percentage you're going to see is not a percentage of all plays. It's a percentage of plays in which the quarterback takes risk. So effectively you take out all of the handoffs because those mm-hmm. are low risk plays for the quarterback. You look at all remaining plays, which include QB runs, passing attempts and sacks. And you can see there's really nothing else that would be in there. Aborted fumbles and whatnot. Uh, they would, uh, uh, I don't know if they'd be in here or not, because they, they might show up as quarterback runs. But in any case, they, they, the, the big thing you're taking out is handoffs. And then you're taking out QB runs as a percentage of other non-handoff plays. So a little bit unusual. It's not exactly a percentage of plays, but it's, it's how often does a QB run as a percentage of times that he's 
taking risk on the play. Perfect, thank you. Um, and then to add to that, these runs include, include both scrambles and kneels. Now scrambles do have a level of risk, kneels essentially none. <laughs> um, and we had considered it, Ken, you had brought this up, we had considered trying to, trying to figure out through estimations and other ways of, of, of throwing out kneels, but, but we, go, we went ahead and decided to, to leave them in and leave them for future study. I mean, the, the, the idea is that while they do happen at the end of the half, a majority of kneels happen when a team is ahead uh, and they're about to win a game. Um, so, but, but those kneels are, in, are included in there. I think it would just make only a minor difference, honestly, but we're having a guest on right. from Pro Football Reference who assures me that we will be able to separate kneels. So I'm, I'm excited about that and maybe Ooh. we can update the data. I would love that. I would love that. Um, okay, so that's the definition of run frequency. Okay, the next step, um, this took me a while to kind of figure out, but I'm really happy with the, with the way it came came down. When people are typically debating traditional pocket passers and running quarterbacks, um, that really can include different quarterbacks going in, in different categories. Um, so originally I was, my when I first thought of doing this project, I just thought that I'll have a definition of if you run, you know, more than 12 and a half percent, I'll define you as a running quarterback. Anything less would be a pocket passer. Um, but then we came up with an idea, well, why don't we do it on a spectrum? Rather than trying to force people into categories, let's look people at people through a, on a spectrum of run frequency. Okay. And then so once we had a spectrum from zero to Lamar Jackson's really the other end of it, which is, which was, I think, around 34%. I'll show you that a little bit later. Um, then I wanted to figure out how, how to group them on that spectrum so that we could get some concrete observations. And so what we did is we made quarterback groups based off of statistical clusters. Okay, so it's where we could see a lot of quarterbacks in one little area, there might be a little gap, not a lot of people running in this frequency here, and the, but there's another little cluster here. So we would take those clusters and we put them in the groups, as you can see below. And what I did to make it easy to talk about, it's all based off of run frequency. So these percentages that you'll see, but to make it easy to talk about and read about is I gave a name to each uh, quarterback group. And so I took two names from the most popular, two of, of the most popular quarterbacks in that cluster. Okay, so the first group we have is the Peyton Breeze group. Okay, obviously that's Peyton Manning and, and um, Drew Brees. There's nine total quarterbacks in that group. I'm not gonna read them all off. The article has it on your website, is there, and you can go in and look at all the quarterbacks in there. Um, but the Peyton Breeze group ran on less than 4% of the plays on which they were involved, okay? Then there was the Ben Brady groups. That's Ben Roethlisberger and um, Tom Brady. Uh, there were 11 total quarterbacks in that cluster, and they ran between four and five and a half percent of the time, or that was their run frequency. Okay, the next group is Baker Cousins, 5.5 uh, to 7.5%. This one has the most quarterbacks, but interestingly, not the most starts. Um, they have 17 there. And then there's Aaron Mahomes. So you've got Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. 
This group of quarterbacks ran between 7.5 and 9% of the time. They have 10 total quarterbacks. Then there's Dak Trubisky group, um, 14 total quarterbacks, 9 to 12%. And then you've got the Lamar Vick group, which is really the one I'm, I'm obviously really looking at and that we'll be looking at a lot when we look at effectiveness because we really want to know about these quote-unquote running quarterbacks. Um, the Lamar Vick group is 12 and a half up. Okay, and there's 12 quarterbacks. I put I put my data out on Twitter this week, and everybody was like, "Oh, there just can't be that many people in in the Lamar Vick group. I bet there's way more in the Peyton Breeze group." And it's it's not. It's 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 there's a there's a pretty good number in there in that Lamar Vick group. Yeah, it's 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 almost like Lamar Jackson needs his own group, as we'll see from the data. But uh, but the yeah. Lamar Vick group has a lot of the younger quarterbacks in the league. Uh, really fit into that uh, group. I think if you look back in past decades, you might not see as many in there. Of course, there were. There were Bobby Douglas and players like that going backwards. But uh, yeah, it's and and just just to that point, I want to I want to point out. So obviously, you can see um, all of these groups. Their clusters are ranged be- were one to three percent of each other. So they're really tight and close with each other. They really their run frequency is is very similar in the first five groups. When you get to the Lamar Vick group, there's a much wider range. So all but one quarterback had a run frequency of 13 to 19%. So you've got that 6% uh, range, which is already a bigger range than the other groups. But then there's Jackson, who blows them all away, and he had a run frequency of 34.6%. We'll talk about that more, but Lamar Jackson really is in the league of his own. Oh, I, lo- right. I love I love the way you did the names on this. Genius. It's just the kind of thing people <laughs> people really remember. Perfect. Okay. Okay, so now that we got the definitions out of the way, explain all of that. Now we can kind of get into the observations. And this one is the the big one that I really was was looking for. This was the data I wanted. To, oh, before we go on, let me go back here really, really quick. Um, and there, as you know, there are many ways that, that somebody could do this study and try to get these quarterbacks together in different ways, okay? Um, my husband, after he saw the results, was one of those people who was like, well, how can I trust the way it was grouped? Maybe it was grouped in a way to make it look a certain way. So to satisfy him, group the quarterbacks I think I came up with five or six different ways okay so I did it just based on increments instead of of clusters so I first did a 10 percent which separated groups basically quarterbacks into two groups didn't tell us much then I uh, put it in five percent increments then I did two and a half percent increments and then I did a different cluster one other cluster that I thought was fair different from this cluster no matter how I grouped the quarterbacks I want to make this clear the observations didn't change. Okay, so no material differences in the group data. And so the reason why I went with this one is because it had the most concrete observations, even though the other ones didn't change those observations, they, they, didn't, they didn't yield as many concrete observations. And the second reason why is I felt this, this, this uh, grouping had um, – spread out quarterbacks. Any other cluster I had, some groups would have like two quarterbacks.
quarterbacks or four quarterbacks, then one would have like 27 quarterbacks. And so this way I felt like if there were any outliers in the groups, it, it wouldn't, you know, throw off the data. So all observations I come up with, no matter how I group these quarterbacks, these observations st stood. They, were, they still st stood to be true. Um, so I wanted to put that out before we, we, move, we move on. Okay, so here we are with our um, first um, observations. And just to kind of <clears throat> explain this graph, which we're gonna see over and over again with, with different data sets. Um, on the x-axis, we have the run frequency. Okay, and I went ahead and put the name of the groups with the run frequency. That's what we just went through and, and talked about, okay? And so we cross-checked that with the y-axis, y-axis, and the y-axis is the percent of games missed due to injury, okay? And then this red dotted line in the middle, that's your baseline. That's what all NFL quarterbacks, uh, what their average is in games missed due to injury. Um, so for some reason, it's about 10.4%. It is 10.4%. I didn't put in the graph that had the most updated. It is 10.4%. Okay. So that's the baseline. Now, as you can see, all the way to the left, the Peyton Breeze group, who had the lowest frequency, they did indeed get injured the least. Okay. Then the next group over, pretty close to it pretty close to the to the least injured then you have these three in the middle the baker cousins aaron mahomes dak trubisky who again a lot of people would consider these groups pocket passers but you know are, are can run but are mostly pocket passers then you go all the way to the right and that's the lamar vick group the lamar vick group runs the most but they were not injured the most okay so so the important observation to me then is if the quarterbacks that run the least are injured the least, but also the quarterbacks that run the most are not injured the least, then run frequency is not a reliable predictor for quarterback injuries. Okay, so this whole debate that we keep having about, well, he runs more, so he's more injury prone, that's not even a reliable predictor. What we find is that these quarterbacks in the middle are the ones who are driving up that quarterback injury average. So that makes me wonder if run frequency is not a reliable indicator for injuries, what is going on with these middle groups that makes them the most prone to injury? You have anything to add there, Ken? Before I move to the next? Uh, no. I mean, one one comment that I'll just make on this is football doesn't really have good control groups. This is a decade's worth of data, and it it, it well could be that you know these are observations of the data here that in a different decade you might get a different result. Uh, but but I agree. There's the, the the big question that I think Sarah's answered very effectively is there's nothing about the data you can observe for the 2010s that would tell you that would lend credence to the belief that the Jackson model is not sustainable. Right, right. Um, which leads back to the what we were discussing in the, in the beginning. Uh, can, can you sign them for, for these long um, contracts? Okay, so uh, listen, this leaves a great opportunity for more study. Um, 
this is not observed data. This is where I would go for a next study. If there is something going on with those middle groups, what could it be? And I wonder, based off of, uh, I had some interactions with, um, his name is John Veros, okay? And he's the injury coordinator for Sports Info Solutions. And he's been doing studies. He's been cited in some national uh, websites. Um, Sporting News is where I first heard of him. And he has been studying for the past, he has data from 2017 to 2019. He's been studying quarterbacks' most dangerous plays, okay? So which plays do quarterbacks get injured most on, okay? And according to his data for the past three years, the most um, dangerous play for a quarterback is a knockdown. Okay, so knockdown is when you're getting hit as you're throwing the ball. Quarterback. Hit. And uh, uh, correct. And when that happens, the quarterback is not in a very good position to protect himself, and that's happening inside the pocket, right? The next thing, and the, so the injury rate is 1.8 percent. So for every 57 point. Uh, one plays, there's an injury on a knockdown. The next most dangerous is a sack. Um, actually, I wanted to, I wanted to, I, I put these GIFs, GIFs, we always, at, I was working at the Ravens, Ryan Garrett and I would always debate if you call it a GIF or GIF. Um, anyway, so as you can see, this is one from Nick Foles just this last season. And um, I believe this one broke his clavicle, hurt his shoulder. Uh, and he was out. This is almost the first the first game of the year, and he can't protect himself at all, right? He he made that touchdown throw, by the way, um, and he can't he can't protect himself. So there's there's a good example of a knockdown. And then I decided to pull this one because it's a famous one for for Ravens fans. Here's Big Ben getting drilled <laughs> by Bart Scott, and so sacks are the next dangerous. Because these can also be blind, right? Sometimes you see a sack coming and you're running and you can protect yourself, but there's a good number of them, such as this one, where it's just like you have no idea it's coming and you can't protect yourself. So according to John Veros over the last two seasons, that has a 1.3% injury rate. So for every 75.1 sacks, there's an injury. Okay. A typical quarterback is going to take probably 35, 40 sacks a year. So every couple of years, you might get an injury from a sack. Correct. Um, okay, a scramble. Here's an. I picked this one because it's another famous play. Not only because RG three is now with the Ravens, but because um, this was Haloti Nada doing this damage. And so this was a scramble. He was going to pass, but he started to scramble. Uh, and this is, I think, what separates Lamar Jackson from RG three in many respects. Is Lamar, for the most part, and I know you're doing a study on this, Ken, yourself. Um, for the most part, he's very smart about not taking those types of hits. Yes. Um, so this is a, a quintessential injury that we all have in our mind from, from a scant scramble. So, but according to Veros, this is the third most dangerous at a 0.9% injury rate. So you need 106.7 scrambles for every one injury. To give and you an idea, you, Jackson had approximately 50 scrambles last year. I don't know if it was 49 or 51, depending on source that you okay. And you're looking into how those scrambles ended, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next one is a designed run, and this is a good example from, from Jackson. 
of what you can do on a designed run. Uh, you know, you can give yourself up by going out of bounds or sliding or, you know, all sorts of different ways. Um, but just to show I'm not completely biased, design runs don't always happen in the best of the way. This is the play where Lamar Jackson actually broke Michael Vick's rushing record, but this was one of the hardest hits he took all season. Um, so not all designed runs are completely safe, but statistically speaking, designed runs are the fourth least dangerous over the last three years at a 0.6% rate so that's you need 174.2 designed runs to get one injury and yeah. these designed runs ex exclude kneels jackson's had 323 rushing attempts in his career a fair number of them are kneels and a fair number more are uh scrambles so he might have mm -hmm. had i'm going to say about 200 rushing attempts that were not either maybe slightly over that he probably has beaten the odds so far to not be injured, but of course, some of that might be who he is, as opposed to, uh, you know, just the one seventy four point two one right. place per injury being a normal figure to apply to him. Right, right, because this is this is NFL wide, and then he probably has better better odds himself because of his unique talent. Um, so you know what? I also want to say I wanted to read this this quote about designed runs because. Um, I remember uh, watching this press conference live um, when Lamar Jackson was going into his second year. So he was going into his MVP year and people were still like, what's the over under on how much Lamar will run? And um, also I, this quote made me confident that all the hours I put into this study, <laughs> that it would come out proving what I, or observing proving for the last decade what what i thought it might prove and it was all because of this quote that made me confident so um greg roman in a press conference in the off season before his, lamar's mvp season he was asked by reporters um like are you guys confident with running lamar a lot because again in the past, the idea has been that running quarterbacks are injured more. And this was Greg Roman's reply. And this has stuck with me ever since he said it. He said, I think it's a little overrated, the whole danger thing. Why? Because this is, this is empirical data here. It was that quote, empirical data, that made me think, if I look into this, I might, I might find out that he was right. Because, and this is empirical data here, over the years, you kind of realize that when a quarterback decides to run, he's in control so now if he wants to slide he can slide if he wants to dive he can dive get out of bounds all those different things he can get down declare himself down a lot of the time the situations that have more danger are when he doesn't see what's coming my eyes are downfield i'm standing stationary from the pocket somebody's hitting me from my blind side and he says my experience and i kind of learned this is that when the quarterback takes the ball and starts to run there's not a lot of danger involved in that in that relative to other situations. So I think that's kind of, he probably has different empirical data, probably much better um, that he has access to, but that made me think of those stats I just showed you over here from, from John Veros, that, that with that quarterback more in control and he can see things, that it's not as dangerous as some of those plays that are coming in blind at, in the pocket.
I'll just say that looking, grading each hit Jackson took during the 2019 season stands up very well empirically to exactly what Roman is saying here, that the quarterback hits were the big ones. Even the sacks, a lot of those were like, ended up being scrambles that Lamar ended up with negative yards on, a fair number of them. Uh, so he didn't take a lot of bad sacks on the season. Took some hard quarterback hits. He did take a few hits on some of the runs as well, but it was mostly the, the hard quarterback hits were a fair percentage of his total hard hits. Okay, so you have you have a scale of how hard those hits are, and you're saying – Yeah, zero to six scale. His, and so you're saying most of those sixes – Came from inside the pocket? A very disproportionate number were quarterback hits uh, relative to the total. I wouldn't say most, but I'd say a, a very disproportionate number of those, of those instances. I can't wait for that to come out. Excited for that, Ken. Um, one more thought on, on this injury um, observations before I move on to effectiveness is the sack rate. The quarterback's most in fact this is the type of trend line that you would think it would look like if run frequency were an injury predictor right it would steadily kind of kind of go up which is not what we saw we had more of a bell curve there um this though you can see a more steady incline for the most part the bigger the run frequency the more percentage um the 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 bigger the the qb sack rate so these guys that run a ton are getting sacked a ton. I'll show you later. Lamar beats those odds again. Um, but I, I do wonder if, if sacks are the second most dangerous. I'd, I think future study, it would be a good one to see if those injuries came, you know, if, if a good number of those injuries came on, on sacks rather than their designed runs. Do you think there's a normal extension of play component to this? So if you're if you're Peyton Manning in particular, and we're look, we're talking about Peyton Manning's last five or six years in the NFL that are included in this study. So 2010 to 15, maybe 16. I forget whether yep. it's in the league. I think he was 15. Yeah. All right. So six six years, and maybe it was five seasons because the neck injury I think was in this. So if during those years Peyton was very cognizant about getting rid of the ball he would make mm. two or three reads quickly get rid of that ball the guys on the left end of the spectrum really have to live with that as the golden rule they need to deliver the ball very quickly because they don't have time in pocket i'll just say this i don't think that time to throw metrics are particularly useful because you get the different time to throws for different reasons you may have a great offensive line that might actually be part of it but in a lot of cases it's an immobile quarterback who has to throw the ball quickly because of his own limitations and so I think the, the, the play extenders will naturally take a few extra sacks. And it's kind of like a, a trade-off of the additional value from an extended play that right. they get in exchange for, for the, the higher sack rate. Totally. Totally. That was my thought also. Uh, any more thoughts, Ken? I'm going to move on to effectiveness next. Any other thoughts, big picture of, of quarterback freak, run frequency as it relates to quarterback injuries? No, I, th I think I think the key takeaway you've already labeled all of them, and I think just the, the, the decade of the 2010s wouldn't give you the data you need to support an argument that the that the Lamar model can't work. Right, right. Which the the Ravens are going all in on. So then they they obviously have data that's making them feel confident about the 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 direction that they're going. 
Okay, so let's, okay, so now we've got this idea that quarterbacks that, that ran the most last decade were not injured the most, and we also now have the observation that run frequency isn't even a good indicator. Now, now some people would say, well, I still want a traditional pocket passer because they're more effective, okay? So what we did is we try to look at um, a quarterback's effectiveness within a few categories, and we'll just take these, these one at a time. Um, uh, we're going to look at winning percentage. We're going to look at yards per start, total yards per start, touchdown to turnover ratio, and quarterback rating. So we're going to look at all those across these six groups and see how effective each group is. So the first one we have here is the, um, the winning percentage. Okay, so just like in the last graph, the x-axis is the run frequency. And in this case, the y-axis is the uh, QB win percentage. Um, my y-axis, I haven't updated it. Those should be percentages, but you can kind of see 0.4 would be 40%, 0.2 is 20%. Okay, now in the blue, we're looking specifically to that quarterback's win percentage, okay? And in the red is the team win percentage when that quarterback is out of the game. Most likely due to injury, sometimes due to ineffectiveness. It's, it's, okay. it's, I want to get the definition clear here just for this. Rightly or wrongly, the NFL assigns a win to a quarterback or a loss to a quarterback if he starts the game. Not if Correct. he finishes. Fourth winning comeback drive by a backup quarterback like Kirk Cousins after the RG3 injury would have been credited to RG3. Correct. Correct. Now, the number of times that actually happened is minuscule um, in these, but it's very good to, to point that out. Okay. So you can look um, at each category here where you have the QB, the starting QB win percentage versus the team percentage when that starting QB is out, minus those few exceptions. Um, and then the red line, or the, excuse me, the blue line we'll do first is the baseline again, the, the baseline quarterback winning percentage, and then the red is that team percentage when that starting quarterback is out. Okay, so what stands out to me with a few of these is that the quarterbacks that ran the most, the Lamar Vick group, their quarterback, starting quarterback winning percentage is slightly above the baseline NFL average. So the NFL average is 42%. The Lamar Vick group quarterback uh, win percentage is 55%. Okay. The highest win percent was the Ben Brady group. Okay. And then you want to look at, okay, so what's the team winning percentage when those starting quarterbacks are out? I, I was personally very surprised by this to see the Peyton B Breeze group drop from 53% to 35%. Whereas the Lamar Vick group drops from 55 to 49%. So I've heard people say, and again, including my husband, um, is that it's harder to replace a, a, quarter, from a quarterback from the Lamar Vick group because there's not as many of those. Um, and that's true. There's not as many in the NFL population because, again, for years, the NFL has, has preferred these traditional pocket passers. 
But the win the teams actually did a better job in, in terms of winning percentage of replacing the Lamar Vick group than teams who were trying to replace the Peyton Breeze group. Okay, so you know, so again, in theory, if Lamar Jackson were to go down, um, statistically speaking, there's nothing from the last decade that says, oh, you know, the Ravens are worse off because because he's in the Lamar Vic group. Now, again, Lamar is a whole different beast <laughs> and a unicorn, and he brings everybody up. But statistically speaking, it was harder to get to replace the Peyton Breeze groups than the Lamar Vic group, and it was harder to replace the Ben Brady group. Um, you go in one on the from the Lamar Vic to the Dak Trubisky group, it's even. The outlier is the ba Baker Cousins group, where they were actually better without their starting quarterbacks. But if you look at that that group, a lot of those guys eventually became um, backups more than starting quarterbacks when they when they had the opportunity. They just weren't effective enough. Just one point, one point on the Lamar Vick group here. There's four quarterbacks in the Lamar Vick group. So you, you can see from this that Sarah didn't just cut off the, the levels to, to keep bad quarterbacks out of good. But there's four quarterbacks who had a significant uh, – the teams were significantly better without them. And the one is Geno Smith, E.J. Manuel. We have Colin Kaepernick, 62% win percentage without him, only 48% with him. And Robert Griffin, 49% uh, up from 39% with him. There you go. So that was interesting to me. So at the end of the day, the Lamar Vick group is um, actually slightly more effective in terms of winning percentage than the rest of the the, the league, and uh, more than and more than than almost all the the quarterback groups except for the Ben Brady group. Um, so so that was very that was surprising to me. Okay. The next thing I looked at was how effective are they with – I looked at total yards. Any team that has a quarterback that runs more knows that it's not fair to, like, look at, you know, the passing of Tom Brady in the game and then you only look at the passing of Lamar Jackson in the game because you're not accounting for his rushing yards. So um, I got total yards, the passing yards, and the rushing uh, yards per start. Now, again, one um, – caveat here is these per starts in in some instances um there were numbers that got in so let's say like in Lamar Jackson's rookie year when he came off to do a couple gadget plays for Joe Flacco but Joe Flacco was still the starter at that point um some of those numbers came in or if a if a quarterback came in uh because somebody was injured or because uh they were ineffective um, a couple of those games and the production of those games got in, but again, it didn't, it didn't drastically change these numbers and, and, and the, the takeaways remain the same. Uh, but I wanted, I wanted to point that out. Go ahead, Ken. Got one point on this is that this is passing yards by the quarterback and his rush yards, not the rest of the team's rush yards. So Correct. we all know what an impact Lamar's had on the rest of the Ravens offense in terms of improving the other players in terms of their rush yards. Correct. Exactly. Um, so just the quarterback's rush yard. So um, the quarterbacks that ran the least had the most total yards. Um, the quarterbacks that ran the most uh, is kind of in the, it actually just hits the NFL average. Um, 
the 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 Lamar Vick group averaged 263.0 yards per start. The NFL average was 163.3. So it's essentially the same. Here's my question to you, um, Ken. I had an observation in here that um, I took out. In your other studies, how much does yards correlate to winning? I, I have a saying: yardage talk is loser talk. It's, it's, okay. you know, it's usually you know the the winning team gives up yardage opportunities late in the game because they have the lead. They run the ball ineffectively to waste clock. That while the trailing team trades turnovers for yards at the end of a game. So that's why if you're a fantasy owner, for example, you go after losing quarterbacks who have decent passing offenses because you, mm. you like the yardage that they'll pile up in garbage time or when they're, when they're trailing and trying desperately to come back. So I don't think it has a lot of value, honestly. And, and I look at this gradation of differences you've got. There's only 36 yards of difference from the worst to the best group. I just tell you, if you look at NFL defenses for a season or NFL offenses in terms of average yards, much greater variation among them. So I wouldn't consider these variations to be significant at all. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Now, moving on to something that I do think is more significant <laughs> uh, of indicators of, of, of winning um, is uh, the, the quarterback's touchdowns and turnovers. So to be clear, the blue is a quarterback's touchdowns. And I put in the quarterback's passing touchdowns and their rushing touchdowns per start. Okay. And the red is the quarterback's turnovers. And those turnovers include a quarterback's interceptions and a quarterback's fumbles lost. Not fumbles, but fumbles lost, okay, for start. So that's what the blue columns are and the red columns. And then the blue line is the baseline average quarterback touchdown per start. And then uh, the red line is the uh, baseline average uh, quarterback turnover per start. This one you will see um, that, again, the quarterbacks that uh, run the least have the most touchdowns per start at 1.9. Okay, uh, then it goes down for the next two groups, spikes a little bit um, for the Aaron Mahomes group, cl close to that Brady Breeze group, which is 1.9. The Aaron Mahomes group is at 1.87 goes down again, and then hits at 1.75 touchdowns per start for the Lamar Vick group. So that's slightly above the NFL quarterback baseline, okay? So the Lamar Vick group is, is third and about average in their touchdowns per start. But what's very nice about the Lamar Vick group is look at the turnovers per start. Very, it's the lowest of all the groups at point nine zero okay that's lower than all the groups and obviously a bit lower than the i mean bit a sl slightly lower than the nfl baseline which is 1.05 okay so what i did on this next graph is i looked at that ratio what is the touchdown to turnover ratio so touchdowns divided by turnovers and look and and you've got this and by far ugh, again not by far but the Lamar Vick group leads the way with the best turnover to touchdown ratio. And then you've got going to the left side, the Peyton B Breeze group is um, just slightly above 
the NFL baseline average, and then in between, it's just kind of up and down. So you'll notice it's really hard to get any takeaways from these middle groups. Mm -hmm. But whenever you're looking at the two extremes, the least run frequency and the most run frequency, that's where you get your more concrete um, observations. And the Lamar Vick group is the best when it comes to turnover to touchdown ratio. And as you said, uh, the yards not not doesn't correlate that much to winning. This one is probably a better indicator. Yeah, I, I think this one is an excellent indicator. I mean, we all have heard the this game is going to come down to turnovers. That seems to come out from the color analyst before the game, all every right? NFL game. It's just, <laughs> every it's time. A, it's it's just a that's kind of funny. A lot of people think that Mahomes data or Lamar's data is driving the really good columns if four and six. Just to be clear, Lamar had thirty-two of the of the games and 22 of the starts. So only about 3% of the total information might be 4% if, if you're talking about the percentage of starts um, in his entire category came from Lamar. So he doesn't have that big an impact on that 194 number, even though his is significantly better. Mahomes also, uh, same thing basically, because he's only been in the league a little bit of time, he made up only 31 total starts of 721 in that group. So that's about uh, 4%, 5% of that group. Right. And just to add on to that, for all of these graphs that I did, I took Lamar of all of them because he's he's been so good in his 22 starts. I wanted to see if taking Lamar out would like make the Lamar Vic look less effective. And it really didn't change it at all. And again, it's because like you said, he's only got 22 starts. And I can't remember, but I think the total number of starts, uh, I tweeted it to somebody. For that group, the total number of here. starts, it's above 500? 594. 594, so almost 600. He's only accounting for 22 starts. So he can't skew the data right. in that group's – sorry, go ahead. Only 3% of the starts. There are right. maybe four there at, the, at the top. And and so in the end, these these graphs, the right hand column, the Lamar Vic group does include Lamar, right? As you as you Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. I'm just saying You tried it. Separate yeah, I tried it just to look at and it it again, like you said, three percent of the of the start. So it doesn't move the graphs that much. Okay, the next one I wanted to look at, and I was very curious about this, was quarterback rating. And um I was interested in this is obviously quarterback rating does not use any rushing statistics in coming up with that. So it's all um, passing statistics. It is um, it uses completion percentage, yards per attempt, touchdowns per attempts, and interceptions per attempt. So nothing in here includes rushing. So I was wondering if the Lamar Vic group would be terrible, <laughs> you know, because that's kind of the idea. Everybody who thinks that they can run, it somehow automatically means that they're not a great passer. Um, so when you look at it, the, the, again, the Lamar Vic group is barely above. They're essentially the, the, the baseline NFL average on quarterback rating. And they're really not far behind even the Peyton Breeze group or the Ben Brady group or the Aaron Mahomes group. It's just not that big of a difference. Um, so you're getting all of this uh, other production that's just not accounted for here. And, they're, and, they're, and that's why I like to look at, at QBR 
because it does include everything that a quarterback does. Go ahead, Ken. Okay, so there's, there's two things here. Q- QBR is a separate stat that's often given. There's an NFL QBR. This is passer rating. And I don't want mm-hmm. to confuse the two here because the QBR will include the effectiveness of the run plays as well. Correct. And, and a lot of people might think that's a better metric. But this is for this purpose, most people understand passer rating. Aside from the things Sarah mentioned, it also does not include sacks. Okay. Good. Um, so anyway, in, interesting takeaways there. And so those were all the effectiveness um, observations and graphs that we looked at. So the big takeaway for me on, on that is that the Lamar Vic group, the group that runs the most, is just as effective, if not more effective, than other NFL quarterbacks and perhaps in the most important categories, win percentage, and then very good at the touchdown to turnover ratio. Okay, so now that we've done that for the NFL as a whole, I wanted to kind of go through it for Lamar Jackson. And as we do this for Lamar Jackson, I just think it's so important that we, okay, people call Lamar a unicorn, right? These charts are going to show you how apt that that term for him really is. Okay, but 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 again, as we look at how incredible he's been, let's put this in perspective. He has 22 starts. If we looked at the first 22 starts of say pretty much all NFL quarterbacks, their numbers are going to be very different. Very different. I I am predicting that Jackson's numbers will come down closer to the average throughout his career. I just don't know how much closer. And that's up to him to 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 to, to determine, right? It's all in his hands. He he can control that. So you'd think he's gonna come down closer, but so I just want to put up that he's an outlier, he's a unicorn. Um and it's probably gonna come back down. But now that I have that disclaimer out, let's go ahead and enjoy <laughs> to see how far off the charts he really is. First of all, I want to show you, I want you to, to kind of get in your mind how much he actually runs. Okay, so what I did is I put all the quarterbacks in the study on this run frequency. And on, on the y-axis, we just had the number of quarterbacks, okay? So you will see, you know, there's a little cluster between 0 and and 5%, it kind of gets into the 5 to 10% cluster in there. There's a little gap right there in what, I don't know, seven and a half to about nine point, very close to 10%. And then there's bigger gaps as you go along to the right of the run frequency. And then here's Lamar Jackson, that star way over here. Okay, now, who knows if other teams bold like the Ravens are somebody like Lamar Vick (laughs) Michael Vick run a lot more than he did but based off of the thinking of the time and and his his coach and his offensive coordinator most of his rushing was off of scrambles and so if he if he were in Greg Roman and John Harbaugh's system today they would they could very well run him as much as, as they're running Lamar. So not only does this speak to Lamar's talents, but it also speaks, and I've heard this so often, 
because John Harbaugh kept saying that we're going to have an offense that that's revolutionary. And he kept saying, he's like, it's not necessarily the, the, the plays that we'll be calling because those have been done before. So I kept wondering, what does he mean by revolutionary? It means that they're this committed to it compared to the entire last decade. Go ahead, Ken. What was your... Uh, two what, two what things about this. First of all, uh, Michael Vick never had over 15 carries in a single NFL game. Whereas Jackson had 27 in his first NFL start by comparison. He had other games that were uh, not as high as 27, but, but still, you know, higher. And nobody had run 27 times in a game since the early 50s. A quarterback Ooh. named John Jerry, I think, with the Steelers. So uh, anyway, he's, he's totally off the charts, certainly, uh, in that regard. Yeah. And, and then I just got curious. <laughs> I wanted to not just look at the last decade. Was there anybody else in since the NFL merger? Um, now Lamar Jackson's career run frequency for his two first years is thirty four point six. The next over the again since when was the merger? Nineteen seventy. Yep. Um, the next was Bobby Douglas at twenty three, and then Michael Vick's career run frequency was nineteen point eight. You can look down. Tyrod Taylor eighteen point three. Cordell Stewart eighteen point one. Cam Newton seventeen nine. RG three seventeen six. Vic, Vince Young sixteen point nine. Colin Kaepernick sixteen point eight. And Russell Wilson at fourteen point nine. So he's not only off the charge charts over the decade, but really since the nineteen seventy merger. But I do want to point out again, and this is why I was saying that he's going to Lamar Jackson will come down closer to the average. His two thousand eighteen run frequency was forty four point one. His 2019 was 29.3. So that gave him his career career run frequency at 34.6. So again, it's not because he'll be worse or less ineffective. It's just it will come down closer closer to, to, to the average. Go ahead, Ken. I, I would expect so too. I would expect he'll, his, his career run frequency will drop fairly dramatically as he gets a little older and they take, want to take less chances with him as he gains as a quarterback in other areas. But just looking at this, I mean, you have the quarterbacks basically run, aside from Douglas, ran half as much at the very most as him. And that just reminds me, I mean, making parallels to other sports, there haven't been great athletes like this that have come along very often in any sport who redefine it in the way Jackson has, whether they run the thing, run the whole offense around him or not. But the most comparable player in any sport probably that's similar is Babe Ruth completely changed mm. the game of baseball by by changing the power numbers tremendously and it's often pointed out 1919 Babe Ruth hit 29 homers there were poems written about that about how <laughs> you know it'll, it'll never be topped and this and that and, and you know then he got traded to the Yankees he had 54 home runs the very next year out homered every team in the American League and the, the Jackson is like that in terms of being a standout player where the circumstances of the game of his team and their willingness to commit to him completely and the strategy uh, are, are aligned so well that it comes together in, a, in, a, in the kind of performance it did last year. Well said. I like that. Comparing him to Babe Ruth. I like it. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, let's look at these graphs that we looked before, but we're going to put Lamar Jackson over and we won't take as long to discuss each. But as you can see and as we already know, uh, Lamar Jackson's injury rate is 0.0% in the NFL. Again, that can only, uh, he can only maintain status quo or get worse. He can't get any better than that. And my prediction is that he will get injured at some point, but not because he runs so much. It's because he plays football. 
and very few people escape this sport without a single game missed due to injury. And I can just already hear it now once he does get injured. See, I told you, but it, it's because he plays football. It's, it's not just because he runs more. Okay, so then let's look at him with the sack rate. So as I mentioned earlier that the sack rate for the Marv Vick group is by far the highest, but there's Lamar. He's very good at avoiding sacks, um, especially for his, his group. So he's actually closer to the uh, NFL baseline average. And so I just want to give you some perspective uh, for other people in his group. Um, so Lamar's sack rate is 6.4%. Kyler Murray, 8.1%. Russell Wilson, 8.4%. Colin Kaepernick, 9.2%. RG3, 9.3%. And Deshaun Watson, 9.4%. He completely bucks the trend in his own running group. I have a, a, a little number to share on that. Uh, last year, when he was forced not to pass from the pocket, so I take his scrambles and his sacks, and I combine okay. the yards from those two, Lamar Jackson, 5.0 yards per carry, including the postseason. 5.0 when Jeez. forced not to pass, so forced to scramble. Russell Wilson is often compared to Lamar Jackson, and there's all sorts of, of, frankly, whiny comparisons about how Seattle hasn't built their offense around Wilson the way, and it's not fair, and that's why you can't compare the two, and yada, yada. But the fact of the matter is, when, when forced not to pass, Wilson is one of the best, but 1.0 yards per play. Ooh. So he does have more scramble yards than sack yards, which not every quarterback has, but only 1.0 yards versus 5.0 for Lamar. So when you got him, he's got you. Yeah. <laughs> well said. When, when, he, when you got him, he's got you. I love that. Okay, now look at this one. Eye-popping. Eye-popping yet again. Again, only 22 starts, so I'm trying to keep it in perspective. But we've looked at this graph before, the win percentage of the, of the starting quarterbacks. The baseline is 52%. Lamar Jackson's at 86% just off to a phenomenal start in his young career. And then the Ravens, when they didn't have Lamar Jackson starting uh, over the last two, two seasons of his career, they were at 50%. So, I mean, he's just off the charts again. Um, then we go to total yards per start. Uh, again, he, he really comes out much higher than his own group. Uh, 20 yards per game more than his own group. I mean, that Ravens offense was ridiculously efficient last year. Uh, so his 283 is just slightly above that Peyton Breeze group, which leads the way. And, and um, if you're looking at offenses, points per drive, any of the other drive-related statistics, you know, a drive success, series success rate, those are all really good measures. Yards are one of the worst measures possible to, to look at an offense and really talk about how effective it is. And last year, the 3.08, points per drive was, I believe, the fifth highest total in NFL history. So that's really where the Ravens offense uh, was money last year. Good. This one is one of my favorites. Really, that one is, but I'll get to that. So here we are with the NFL uh, quarterback touchdowns and turnovers. So uh, Lamar is getting off the charts again. So he's at uh, averages 2.45 touchdowns per game uh, and averages 
0.68 turnovers per game, which comes out to uh, a touchdown to turnover ratio of 3.60, which more than doubles his own group. And I mean, it's, approximately. yeah, approximately. Um, yeah, I, I didn't do the math very well there. <laughs> so, uh, but again, and I think is probably one of the best um, to correlate to winning. Who else was ahead of him all time? There are only like three quarterbacks ahead of him all time. It's very by a small amount. Right. So, ooh, I forgot to tell you the all-time winning percentages, but I can come back to that. The touchdown to turnover. Okay. Only Patrick Mahomes beats Lamar. Uh, wait, hold on. Aaron Rodgers, I thought. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, uh, and then Lamar no, Jackson. I'm look- yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the wrong one. Okay, so Patrick Mahomes is the only one that ge- that beats him in terms of total touchdowns per start. So Patrick Mahomes was 2.58 touchdowns per start. Lamar Jackson was second, 2.45. Then when you go to turnovers, Lamar was number five. Mahomes didn't make the top five. His .68 was number five all time. Tyrod Taylor, who really, really never turns the ball over. He's freakishly good at it. Then Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and then there's Lamar Jackson. Now, combining those two things to get to your ratio, where Lamar's 3.60 all-time, only two people beat him. As you said, Aaron Rodgers, 3.77, and Patrick Mahomes at 3.64, and then Lamar comes in third at 3.60. So to be fair, to be fair, and I again to go back to um, the winning percentage, uh, where he was at eighty-six percent. He's he's number one. Um, number two is Jimmy Garoppolo, but those two, Lamar has twenty-two starts, Jimmy has twenty-six starts, Tom Brady is number three, but he has one hundred and fifty-six starts. Okay, so. Uh, then it's Patrick Mahomes, who also has a young career, 31 starts, and the number five is Peyton Manning, who has 73 starts. So, uh, you know, f- for that time period. So, um, so again, that's why I like to keep things in perspective. Like Lamar and Patrick are right up there with the Aaron Rodgers and the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's of the world, but they just have to sustain it and do it over time, over time. Okay. And then, yeah, we're on to to the passer rating, which we talked about before, does not include the rushing statistics. Lamar looking great at 104.7. How does that look historically? Second second highest of all time with 500 or more attempts only to Mahomes at 108 and change. Yep. So, 108, 108.9. Ahead of Manning's career number, ahead of Rogers' career number, Breeze, all those guys, Brady, they all come in in the high 90s or right around 100. But but Lamar and Mahomes are really uh, leading the pack right now. They're both incredible. All right. So to recap, the final thoughts. It's a little wordy here, but, but important. NFL quarterbacks that run the most are not injured the most. Quarterbacks that run the least are injured the least, and it's the middle of the road running quarterbacks that are injured the most frequently. Okay. Second biggest takeaway for me run frequency is not a reliable predictor of QB injuries, at least not during the last decade. As such, 
one cannot predict based on observed data that a signal signal caller like Jackson is more prone to injuries just because he runs more than other NFL passers. Number three, quarterbacks that run the most are just as effective, if not more effective, than the NFL quarterback average in key statistical categories, including winning percentage, touchdown to turnover ratio, yards per start, and quarterback rating. And finally, Lamar Jackson's young career is off to a historical start. A select few quarterbacks have superior markings like Jackson, but not in both passing and rushing measurements. His run frequency and effectiveness are off the charts making him a statistical outlier and an intriguing player to continue to follow. If you don't want to follow so, Jackson, you're going to have a hard time turning on the TV, I think, in the future, in the coming years. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I mean, we talked about future study a little bit, but definitely ones that, that, I, that, I, that I would like to see is um, some questions that remain unanswered by the study. And I, and I want to make sure that I make this clear that even though based off of the last decade, we can say that run frequency is not a reliable predictor for injuries, um, the quest for what is that reliable predictor continues. So I would like to see a future study um, where we explore which types of quarterbacks expose themselves to the most risk by participating in the most dangerous types of plays. So maybe the four that we outlined from John Veros or Maybe there's some other ways to do it. Um, but so we don't know exactly what is the, the best reliable predictor for, for injuries are, but we, but based off of last decade, we, we know that run frequency wasn't it for last, for the last decade. Um, another study I would like to see is that um, while run frequency isn't a reliable predictor for how many games the quarterback will miss due to injury, Run frequency has not been ruled out as a reliable predictor for career longevity. Um, so that relationship between run frequency and career longevity to me is the next logical step for exploration. And we can, we tried to do that. Mm -hmm. I came to you, you came up with a great formula, um, but there weren't enough quarterbacks that from last decade that retired for us to use the the formula that you had come up with which i think was really good so at some point perhaps that that um formula can be applied to quarterbacks beyond the decade but i just couldn't we just couldn't come away with concrete observations because not a, there weren't enough quarterbacks that ended their careers last decade to, to come away with with concrete observations yeah, I, I think this is a back to a case of football not really having great control groups. And one of the things mm -hmm. we're seeing about the running quarterbacks is they're really emerging as a force in this last decade more than any other. We had Vince Young and we had um, Vic in the tw in the 20 aughts. But in the 2010s, we've, we've had much broader set, including Russell Wilson, who's had good, good success at not being injured, and, and Jackson and, uh, and you know, the others in the group. It's just a more prevalent strategy now. So we don't have the total breadth of career um, data yet. Right, right. So I think that's it, guys. Yeah, that's it. I I appreciate you come let me come on. That was that was a long one, but I hope it was something that that um, your viewers, uh, your listeners find um, intriguing and interesting. So, but I definitely took a lot of man hours. I appreciate your help, but. I really enjoyed doing that. That was that was a lot of fun and I'm I'm glad that we could come out with those observations.
Yeah. So, so many things to love about the way this study was done. I really, I, Sarah, I can't compliment you enough on, on how you put this together and the, the you know, the writing up the, of the paper in a, in a, uh, you know, a, a, a format that really lays it out, doesn't make extreme conclusions about the data as opposed to just making observations. I mean, I just, I love the way you laid out the information, the nice graphs, you had everything about this. And people out there, if you want to do this kind of thing, I'm going to say it's not outside of your reach. The, the key thing is do what Sarah did. Find something, some question you really want to answer. Try and study that and come up with data, you know, use the data that's available and then layer on your own observations, which is a lot of this incredible work that Sarah did, is going through all these injury reports and trying to figure out when did a quarterback miss a game due to injury. I mean, that's a lot of work, but it, that's the layered value-add data that, that, that she had in this. And then there's all the other idea stuff of, hey, how if we, how if we relate this to, to effectiveness or how do we relate this? And uh, your husband, Trevor, probably deserves a lot of the credit for that, for still not liking this, the way the data turned out he 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 didn't but he just he's not a guy that he just wants to know you know the data he doesn't so he was happy to be like okay i i'm surprised by what by what came out that's not what i would have predicted so i got to tell you i almost never win debates with him i've been married to him for, i don't know we're coming up 14 years here this might be the first major debate i've actually come away feeling good about that that i was I could prove that he wasn't totally right and that he's come over to my side on this one. Trevor has literally every degree known to man too. So that's <laughs> not, that's not so uh, terrible a thing that he'd occasionally beat you in an argument. Yeah. All right. Well, Sarah, just wonderful having you on again. We appreciate you doing this. I, I, I appreciate you publishing this on, on the website. Thanks Film for study. hosting it. I appreciate it. Oh no, we'd love to, and this is a this is a great forum to discuss this. And it would it, there's no amount of time taken within reason that would have been too long. I think you hit on just the right amount of information from this study as you went through, and uh, and really gave people a flavor for it. But I would encourage people with interest in this to read the entire thing. There might be definitional components you'll come up to, comment on it, talk to Sarah on Twitter. Sarah, your your Twitter address? Uh, S G Ellison. At, at, at S.G. Ellison. So uh, please get her involved in the discussion. She's already very central to the discussion on Twitter uh, in terms of these sorts of things. But uh, but she's had a good back and forth about a lot of this there. Uh, there's there's a lot of discussion out this on Reddit. Now, I don't know if you have a Reddit account, Sarah, but I, I did post it out there and there was a lot of uh, back and forth about your article and they, uniformly they love the study. Good. No, I appreciate you posting it there. I do not have a Reddit account. Um, so I appreciate that. And I saw you answering questions, uh, very well for me. So I appreciate that. All right. Appreciate you taking me some license, uh, letting me take some license there. Uh, Sarah, always a pleasure to have you on again. We'll have you on back again during the season, I hope for some offensive and defensive analysis. And I really say that as an, I hope right now, because we'll definitely have you. The question is, <laughs> you know, I hope there's, a Will we have the season. Yeah. 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 Uh, Josh, tell folks a little bit about 336 and, and what you're doing out there now? Uh, well, it's baseball season, hopefully coming up soon. Because if we have baseball season, that means we can have a football season, ideally. So uh, we're going to start talking Orioles and doing a lot of Orioles coverage over on Section 336. Okay. Are the Orioles forever quest for a single game season that will give them the maximum chance to get into the playoffs, right? Uh, yeah, there's no chance this year. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, the goal is can they get 20 wins? 20 wins. Okay, yeah. in a 60-game season. Yeah, that'd be a success. 
All right. Very good. Uh, join us out, out on the website at filmstudybaltimore.com. Uh, follow me at filmstudyravens, if you would. And I want people to take this seriously. If you have an idea for a study that is similar to what Sarah had, I would love to talk you through it. That, Sarah didn't need a whole lot of help in terms of the study, particularly with her husband being involved in this kind of thing. But I'm willing to help people. If, the, if you have a study like this you'd love to do, love to work with people who are interested in, in creating stuff. And we do the same kind of treatment, write up a paper, put it on the website, and then, or just an article, whatever you want to do, and then come on and explain your methodology. We've done this with, with Dan Rees recently uh, with, the, with the run and frequency on first down stuff. So uh, I, I, I've really enjoyed doing this, Sarah. I can't tell you how much I, I'm impressed by this body of work and, and uh, how you presented it here. Appreciate it, Ken. Again, thanks for your, your mentorship and guidance on it. Thanks so much. All right. Take it easy, guys. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.